Welcome to the Creative AI podcast with me your host Karan Malhotra. Join me in these conversations as I explore the world of AI and its impact on music, art, design, video and various other creative pursuits. This episode is brought to you by outlined.co. Create and manage your brand and campaign templates from anywhere without complex design software or a specialist. Key features include AI auto resize, translation across over 100 languages and strict template management to ensure your communication is on brand every time. To know more, head over to www.outlined.co or email karn@outlined.co. This episode is supported by Resonance Studios from Bangalore, India. Be it recording, mixing, mastering, music production or audio production, Resonance Studios handle clients from across the globe. To know more, their website is www.resonancestudios.in. Email them on marketing@resonancestudios.in. Facebook Resonance Studios and Instagram Resonance BLR. And now onto the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Creative AI podcast with me your host Karan Malhotra. Today we're going to talk about video, image and AI and automation. And for that we have Satit Sarur. He's the founder and CEO of Rocketium, a platform to create visual content, images, video, gifs for everyone from sole entrepreneurs to large enterprises. Satit, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me Karan. I'm really excited. Fantastic. Great to have you. Let's tell our listeners a little bit about Satej and his background. Uh, before that, about Rocketium. So today, Rocketium serves over 120,000 users, has 6,000 paying customers from 55 different countries. This includes Fortune 500 companies to small business owners. About Satej, previously he was the head of strategy and before that head of product for Taxi for Sure, which was acquired by Ola, um, a taxi ride-hailing app. He was part of the AWS team at Amazon and did his postgrad in management, marketing, strategy, and leadership at the Indian School of Business. And he has a master's of computer science from Cornell University. So, as you can see, quite a storied uh, uh, resume over there. Uh, great. So, Satej, why don't we kickstart the conversation uh, by you telling us a little bit about Rocketium? What is your focus? How did you get here? And where are you going? Yeah, Karan. So. Rocketium's goal today is to help businesses tell their stories and communicate better using visual content. So when we started in 2015 we had a very different goal uh, in terms of the product that we were building. But the goal was always the same that consumer behavior is changing, the way people are consuming content today is changing. They are they expect short visual content that conveys information quickly and we wanted to build tools and processes and products that help people share their knowledge and ideas through that content. And so when we started it was a more consumer oriented product over the last 4 uh, years we've built expertise in a few areas mm-hmm. uh, especially in the automation area and that is what our current focus is so businesses today if they have to create at a mass scale highly personalized highly customized images videos and gifs mm-hmm. they use rocketium fantastic and and would you say that when you started out about 3 4 years ago was that the sort of goal you know in terms of opportunity about democratizing creation their content creation video content creation was that your sort of uh, uh, vision at that time 
I, honestly, it started from the consumer. We felt okay. that as consumers, all of us, uh, society at large, is changing how they are consuming content. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want content in a certain format, we have to enable everybody to be able to share their ideas and knowledge, and whether it's news or entertainment or education, mm-hmm. in a form that people actually want to consume. Of course. So that's really where it started from the consumer people who are consuming all of this content. Okay. And then we said, what are the tools that need to enable uh, that from happening? Okay. And uh, the only change that has happened is in the tools that uh, we focus on and uh, the segment of the market where we focus. So okay. earlier it was enabling anybody and everybody to do it. Okay. Today we have realized that businesses, especially those with a large user base, mm-hmm. they are the ones struggling to create content at a large scale. And those okay. are the ones we are focusing on today. And that is where automation and AI really play a big role for us. Okay. So so an individual or a small business can can still use Rocketium. But your focus and the opportunity that you see for the product for yourselves going forward is maybe large enterprises and large scale content creation. Absolutely. And so we see ourselves being used by individual users, but only because our platform and our technology is integrated into other large-scale apps. So tomorrow, if an e-commerce company is enabling their users to make video reviews, or if they are sending highly personalized push notifications with images to their users, or uh, let's say a dating app is allowing somebody to make a a video profile of themselves, those would all be technologies that are powered by Rocketium, Mm -hmm. but it won't be the Rocketium app. We would be sitting inside every other platform and product out there. So you do have like a white label option as well. That's right. That's how we see ourselves that we are a Lego blocks, uh, sort of an approach that we are taking Mm -hmm. where we build these different building blocks and then businesses who want various parts uh, of scaled visual uh, content creation, they would use these individual blocks. So if you want, you could use a white label experience on mobile or web. If you want, you could use our automation service to create this sort of content. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, a small business or an individual user, mm-hmm. they could use our web-based or mobile uh, software to create this sort of content. Fantastic. And, and I really like that Lego analogy because you're talking about, you know, you can pick and choose how you want to build this, you know, content castle of yours. But there's also in, in that analogy, there's also this inherent sense of play, right? Because you're you're making it open for someone to, like you said at the outset, express themselves visually uh, and consume and sort of create and consume content. Um, and on that particular point uh, where you mentioned about automating uh, tasks, can you talk us talk to us a little bit more where exactly within Rocketium are the different components of automation or AI uh, and you know automating creativity itself you know for some some people might think that okay that's going a little too far so what are your thoughts on that no absolutely so the way we think of automating creativity you can think of it at different stages of creativity because mm-hmm. today when we think of creativity we think of somebody has come up with an amazing idea some of, someone has come up with a story or a tune or any of those right mm-hmm. and we still think that today AI and uh, computers are not in a place where they can replace humans in that initial germ of an idea. And that first initial concept, that inception of that um, visual content or music or, uh, you know, story or any of those. Right. But after you come up with that, there are hundreds, possibly thousands of micro tasks that uh, a creator has to do Mm -hmm. in order for that final product to be ready. Right. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if somebody has to create an image. 
Mm-hmm. Not only is it about thinking about the typography, about the layout, about mm-hmm. where all of these things need to go, how much text should be presented, all of those things, mm-hmm. because people are consuming it over a few seconds. Mm-hmm. So, how should you grab their attention? How do you convey the maximum number of uh, uh, details about what you want to say mm-hmm. so that people consume it and also retain it? Okay, there is skill in that. Yeah. But now, if you had to do that, let's say take an e-commerce example, mm-hmm. you had to create a, a really nice eye-catchy. Uh, sort of a banner for mm-hmm. one of your products. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. say now you had to spend a few days to come up with how that should be laid out. And mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. somebody tells that same designer that, hey, why don't you go ahead and do this for a million of our products? Well, that, that's where the pain comes in and that's exactly. where the automation plays a big role. Exactly. So what if you could let the designer make that initial structure, initial template or this sort of master creative, uh-huh. whether it's an image or a video, uh-huh. define what the structure should be, what the flow storyboard should be, uh-huh. and then define these are the placeholders that could be replaced through automation. Okay. So now if you had to make an image for every, uh, let's say, a birthday wish that you had to send to a million of your customers or every real estate property you had to make a video, right? If you had to do those things, you could define the placeholders and then computers are replacing it at scale. Okay. So whether you want a thousand videos or a million images, okay. you could do all of that through automation. Okay. And think about another way of scaling uh, creativity where once you define these uh, placeholders you could give a very simple interface to your users mm-hmm. where you tell them okay just take a photo and replace this uh, blank over here mm-hmm. write your message to somebody over here mm-hmm. right Re- replace let's say the price for something over here mm-hmm. right with a very simple interface on mobile on web you could now have your users creating content for you mm-hmm. so a million of your users creating uh, you know a visual poem for you or uh let's say creating something for uh, every e-commerce product or every real estate uh, listing those are all things that are uh, possible through this sort of scaling of uh, creativity okay that's fantastic and and just to sort of um, add to that a little bit can you maybe define or sort of distinguish for us because because we, we ours is like the creative ai podcast right and and you're mentioning that there are lots of these tasks that you're just inherently doing by way of automating these tasks so what is the difference between where you might use machine learning to automate something where you might maybe do automation of tasks just through say straight coding however i mean you're you're more you come from a technical background so if you can sort of create that distinction a little bit more for us yeah absolutely so the examples that i am giving almost think of it like the example of mail merge so okay. today when you send out uh, or when you receive an email saying dear so and so here are the three products that you should be trying or Mm -hmm. dear so and so we invite you to the opening of uh, this restaurant whatever uh, uh, highly personalized quote unquote uh, uh, email that you get Mm -hmm. what is happening is somebody a marketer a business owner has defined in that email Mm -hmm. that these two or three pieces are the placeholders Mm -hmm. which are now being replaced uh, through automation mm-hmm. using something that you uploaded from a spreadsheet. Yes. Right. Okay. So there is no artificial intelligence or machine learning happening here. Yeah. All that is happening is placeholders are being replaced by uh, the values that are coming from some sort of data storage uh, that you have. Okay. Right? Now, machine learning uh, could do many other magical things. Right. Okay. But here, this part of automating creativity that we are talking about, mm-hmm. we're just saying the mundane repetitive activity of doing 
replacing one element with another mm-hmm. that part is one of the hundreds of activities that uh, could be replaced right okay. another example okay. what happens after your video renders mm-hmm. or your image uh, renders mm-hmm. somebody would take that file upload it somewhere yeah right now that piece doing it for a thousand or a hundred thousand is really a waste of a human's time yes right yeah. so that part could be automated so these are all the places where you could look for repetitive activities where human ingenuity and creativity is not really playing a role mm-hmm. and you could take that and uh, automate now okay. where machine learning could come in um, like i said some of these areas it's still not there mm-hmm. but we are trying our best for example in language translation yes or uh, let's say in uh, doing text to speech or mm-hmm. identifying characters which are in an uh, image or uh, you know objects which are inside a video mm-hmm. right all of those are still open research areas which is why today i would not worry about there being an ai movie director or an okay. ai storyteller right okay. we will get to a point where uh, machines would keep helping creative people more and more in these areas okay. but at least right now the biggest opportunity is in automating mundane t- uh, tasks mm-hmm. so that people can focus on the more uh, high level creative activities okay okay that that's interesting because um like this one quote comes to mind that uh, gary kasparov says you know he says don't look at it as artificial intelligence just think of it as augmented intelligence and i th- i think you're helping simplify that even further by saying just automate automation intelligence in that sense you know you don't have to even think about this ai kind of angle but if you just sort of look at your flow and sort of see what are the the repetitive tasks in the in let's say in the in the context of video or image sort of creation and that's where a platform can like rocketium simplifies a lot of that especially when you're doing it at scale um so that's fantastic um another question you know just in this idea of sort of creative tasks now when you when you automate an otherwise creative task and creative tasks in themselves tend to not be appreciated very often right i mean there's always that client and designer sort of uh, memes that you have everywhere do you think that automation further devalues the subjective creativity needed for a task is, is, is what are your thoughts on that no um at least in our experience we have seen that the conversation has actually become a lot more positive towards designers really? i'll okay. give you an example today if the companies that we talk to mm-hmm. uh, for example large e-commerce companies large real estate companies large marketplaces mm-hmm. what ends up happening is the design team ends up becoming not only the creative wing Mm-hmm. which has to come up with more ideas for uh, content that is shown in the app sent over emails shown inside uh, uh, you know push notifications and so on mm-hmm. they are also the ones who are executing yes, which means yes. that if a uh, let's say a marketing team or an operations team goes to them and says now go and create 100000 of these hmm. where are they be yeah, going painful. to yeah where are they going to be able to spend their time in mm. coming up with a completely new way of showing that information to users mm-hmm. or in actually executing that mm. so when you take away that burden of repetitive activity mm. you are now telling them spend a week 10 weeks however long you need mm-hmm. to tell the story in the best way okay right today just as an example right if facebook has to send out these highly personalized uh, videos at the end of the year mm-hmm. saying this is your friend anniversary with so and so yes, person yes yes right yeah. so and they this are is how your 2019 was, i'm sure we're going to see a lot of these those videos coming up exactly now. right yeah. and so today if facebook has to do it um, if they had to tell a team of designers that go and do it for uh, a small number 2 and 1/2 billion users mm-hmm. no designer is going to be able to spend 
uh, adequate amount of time coming up with how that video should look they yeah. are just going to sit yeah. and execute yeah. and It'll it would be lifetime, yeah. a lifetime to do it right yeah. if yeah. you are able to automate it they could take a month to come mm. up with a very nice visual way to present it to evoke emotions and nostalgia mm. and then automation is creating 2 and 1/2 billion of those videos and that is what we the technology that we want to give to every business out there fantastic i mean that's that's a really nice way to put it so if anything automation gives you more time to focus on more creative tasks as opposed to thinking that it'll actually you know replace you uh, but you know on that specific point because what rocketium is helping do let's say even if me as a designer and i'm thinking of content let's say i'm thinking of content uh, to promote this podcast right and um uh i go into rocketium and then it makes it easy enough for me to come up with an idea but also to edit it on the fly and then sort of create the end file which is the great thing about the platform but what do you think that does for uh the other category which is video editors you know filmmakers production houses uh what is you know what is the, what does rocketium do for them or is it competition to them uh, i'm sure you've dealt with enough and more of that so what's your opinion on that yeah so without trying to devalue the kind of thing that we do or say that a movie or an advertising uh, uh, commercial is uh, some sort of upmarket thing right mm-hmm. i'm not trying to make value judgments i'm just saying these are two different kinds of things that are created sure. there is one sort of format almost think of it like the fast fashion that you see today from a zara or an h&m kind of a thing right mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you have to keep churning out stuff mm-hmm. you'll have to keep iterating every mm-hmm. uh again in that fashion context every outfit doesn't have to be a world changing outfit mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. somebody who's trying to put up a show for uh let's say paris milan london new delhi wherever uh, for the runway they are trying to put up something they'll spend a year trying to come up with what that uh, outfit should be yeah. right so in the fast fashion kind of a content today if you had to send out a million push notifications mm-hmm. would somebody really take a year to sit and think about how that push notification is going to look mm-hmm. or would they mm-hmm. want to do that at scale mm-hmm. so we are solving that scale problem okay. so nobody today is trying to make uh, 500 avengers mm-hmm. which are highly different from each mm-hmm. other but if you had to take let's say a tv commercial and mm-hmm. in that splice in elements that mm-hmm. are customized for every geography let's mm-hmm. say you had mm-hmm. the same tv commercial but in that the overlaid text that is coming mm-hmm. or let's say the products that are showing up are highly customized based on the geography where you are mm-hmm. depending on your specific segment okay. the ad is slightly customized to show the products that you could uh, possibly like or the colors that are used are according to what you which, like which is what ha- I, i would imagine happens a lot in e-commerce platforms now anyway right exactly and so that is something that rocketium could power so okay. you would still have the filmmakers who are making 1 2 5 10 of these highly bespoke highly uh, thought out uh, products mm-hmm. and they don't really want to scale this but okay. when they want to scale it where every time let's say a box of cereal is opened depending on who is seeing it the box of cereal has something else on it yes. that is a part where rocketium could come in and uh, swap that out okay so i wouldn't say that today in 2019 i don't know in 2029 but at least 2019 we are very far away from film editors or movie makers really worrying about or you know songwriters uh, uh, storytellers those kinds of people worrying about uh, automation and computers taking away their jobs okay i mean that i'm sure there must be uh, at least a couple of people who are listening to this right now and breathing a sigh of relief you know uh, but that that's that's great because what you're saying is that even if rocketium is doing uh, these things for scale 
inherently a client still needs to go to that one film production company to create that final well finished sort of tv edit uh and then if if uh, they want to show that same edit across you know 50 countries hypothetically speaking and they want to do it in 200 languages and they need to create like a thousand different files within a day that's where something like rocket team would would come in because that would just take too long and it's too mundane a task for that creative individual actually small correction it wouldn't take a day it would take less than an hour <laughs> okay <laughs> that's the part of automation fantastic um you know slightly you know, uh, let's let's take this conversation it's like in different uh, angle uh, uh, to the benefit of some of the designers listening to um, our podcast you have been involved with uh, taxi for sure which is you know um, a very popular app and then bottle for obviously you know you and now you've built rocketium both are systems that are dealing with uh, large volumes of uh, information data generation large usage so have you found that there are some tenets that um, designers uh, need to keep in mind when they're designing ui ux or you know the entire experience for products that have large usage yeah i believe so i think when you are doing something at a small scale it's a passion project you're doing it for a very small group of homogenous uh, people that's mm-hmm. when you could say let me sit with the customer let me try and understand everything that they do mm-hmm. and tailor this product to their workflow mm-hmm. so this is where almost think of uh, some of these enterprise uh, software products that are there right where you're sitting with a company for 3 months 6 months building it mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. very niche software let's say for um, a specific industry for example let's say construction industry i'm making some software mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. over there when very few users are using you have the luxury to uh, sit with customers try and tailor the experience exactly to their need okay. but when you have very different kinds of customers mm-hmm. their profile is different educational qualification uh, tech savviness uh, industry age groups across all of these uh, facets they are very very unique customers that's when you don't really have the luxury to specialize this for a specific user right so a lot of us when we use a google we might have mixed opinions about its simplicity or its uh, the, the well roundedness of the features mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the reason it exists that way and it's designed that way is because it's made for 2 billion 3 billion 7 billion users mm-hmm. so that's something to keep in mind that it's almost like you have to design with the lowest common denominator in mind okay. and at least so far that is how software is designed but okay. over time as software gets more powerful as we understand users better mm-hmm. you could design software that is delivering a very highly personalized. differentiated personalized okay. experience based okay. on who you are okay. i don't think we are there yet i don't okay. believe most companies design products which are completely different based on who you are but like hyper personalized highly highly personalized right yeah. so if you are an advanced uh, designer you might see one kind of an experience if you are a novice you might see a very simple let's say form based or you know mm-hmm. some check boxes and radio button sort of an interface mm-hmm. so i don't think software is there uh, yet mm-hmm. um, that is something i believe will happen over the next few years because you can't really uh keep delivering a lowest common denominator and still deliver the very best product experience mm-hmm. but uh, definitely something to keep in mind is um an early uh, start of your uh, product people say that build it for somebody like yourself so mm. if you are the customer you can build the best product but mm. over time who you are and who your customers are are will diverge yes. so you can't really keep building a product for yourself so okay. over time you have to understand that very different kinds of people will use it in very different contexts mm-hmm. so you cannot really define a customer uh, one single customer persona and 
design the product for them you'll have to mm-hmm. keep multiple personas in mind okay so you you design for simplicity in a way almost where you know you sort of i wouldn't say you oversimplify it to the extent that you design a shell but you you create uh, your approaches to designing platforms in a way where it allows for a variety of different kind of expression and then as systems evolve and you know data and infrastructure evolves it like you were saying it gives you back that opportunity of getting a creating a hyper personalized sort of experience and and maybe we'll get then so yeah enough. absolutely um one of the things that you know before we started the podcast uh, you mentioned this really interesting stat about how 80% of the internet's bandwidth today um is video on the you know across the world um so at any given point in time across age groups um people are consuming video primarily so what trends are you seeing around video image gifs and that kind of content uh, now and maybe in time to come yeah so the move to video has definitely been an interesting one um it shouldn't be no surprise that video is now what is a dominant form of content consumption mm-hmm. because before we had the static web we used to have television mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so for decades we are used to seeing visual content people moving mm-hmm. even before uh, i mean if you really had to stretch uh, this uh, understanding if you go back before the time when people started writing stuff down mm-hmm. you would just see what's in front of you yes. so the visual medium is what our eyes are meant for what our brain is really adapted to yeah. so stuff moving stuff being visual is really what we want as uh, humans mm-hmm. the written word in the larger context is something that's uh, new right and so yeah. it's no really no surprise that uh, whether you look at the really long uh arc of this thing or the very short arc of a few decades mm-hmm. that video is really dominating mm-hmm. but a few other things have contributed to this uh, in a really ma- major way mm-hmm. which is one is the network speeds whether mm-hmm. it's on mobile or on uh, wireless mm-hmm. they have really gone up mm-hmm. right and they'll continue to go up because that is the expectation of people mm-hmm. also where they are consuming content that mm-hmm. form factor has changed completely yes people are spending more and more time on mobile, mobile and yeah. over there reading is very difficult so mm. you no longer have a full spread newspaper or a mm. uh, you know a smaller uh, you know hard copy uh, you know book that's mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with you right so um, when it's on mobile you want uh, a lot more uh, uh, motion that's mm-hmm. happening right mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. that's how video is really taking uh, precedence uh, over precedence over other things right yes. but even in the kind of video that we are seeing we are seeing a very interesting shift earlier okay. it was um, almost like how brochures and uh, flyers were digitized and uh, newspapers were digitized into mm-hmm. uh, the the web the web uh, version of yeah, it yeah the static web yes. similarly television commercials television shows all of those were digitized and you just consumed the the tv versions of video content on mobile hmm. but now especially if you see more uh, raw forms like tiktok or uh, you know some of what uh, happens on uh, uh, facebook live or instagram stories mm-hmm. that is more i would say unfiltered and uh, almost uh, a real version a much more real version of uh, what's happening and so people are also expecting uh, you're also seeing various forms of uh, trust whether mm-hmm. it's the government whether mm-hmm. it's you know family whether it's religion mm-hmm. a lot of those things are breaking people are questioning yes, yeah. a lot of those uh, forms Very of fundamental trust. questions yeah correct and so when you are seeing somebody like you sharing something mm-hmm. that creates a lot more trust and so mm-hmm. video today being created decentralized uh, in a decentralized manner uh, where real people are sharing what they know and you are able to see that almost live mm-hmm. really that's uh, one big trend and also obviously you are seeing it on the phone your eyes are straining you really can't sit and uh, watch really one long piece of content right mm. so people also want um, i wouldn't yeah i yeah. wouldn't call it instant gratification but 
uh that has some negative connotations but mm. people want stuff quickly mm-hmm. and so you're also seeing this move to shorter forms of content which mm-hmm. is why so gif is an extreme example of short content or an mm-hmm. emoji even more uh, extreme example mm-hmm. but really that's where the world is moving okay um you know and and you talked about um just we're used to seeing um seeing things and taking information in that way and uh, a little later down in your comments you mentioned about um trusting you know what you sort of see and trust is a is a key thing because that's breaking down in a lot of different places therefore what is your opinion on uh, deep fakes you know because that's become this other conversation how do you actually trust like the you've seen deep fakes of everyone from a donald trump to i mean we don't trust him a lot of people don't trust him anyway but let's say like a barack obama or you know or steve jobs you have these uh, fakes and then that you know deep fakes also being used in pornography for example you know um so what's your opinion on deep fakes and and video so i think whenever new technology is created people it's not created with mal intent but yes okay different people use it for different things i'll just give you another example when plastic was created uh, first this was uh, i think in the 60s when mm-hmm. uh, it was first created mm-hmm. it was actually created to save plants because people okay. would use paper by you know pulping wood and you know cutting down trees and so on so they felt whoever created uh, one of their things was that we want to save the environment mm-hmm. but when it's used overused abused yeah. yeah so so mm. today it has become a blight on the planet mm-hmm. right so in a similar way the people who have created some of this technology that can uh, so this form of uh, uh, being able to create this content uh, uh, with ai uh, and machine learning is called generative content right so yes. this is um so machine learning and ai can also be predictive mm-hmm. it can classify stuff that is it a hot dog or is it not a hot dog right mm-hmm. but something like this is actually generating it yeah. so these machine learning uh, networks they mm-hmm. are able to create content based on what they have learned so far and mm-hmm. you could now apply it in order to uh create a fake version of uh, something that somebody wants to create right but mm-hmm. um if you go back and look at let's say email mm-hmm. So because somebody was spamming does it mm. make email inherently bad or does it take away the value of email no mm. somebody the way somebody is creating spam emails because spam email people are not sitting and writing each one of them mm. they have uh, sophisticated software that is going and sitting and creating this thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, same mm-hmm. way there is another set of really smart really dedicated people who are f- building systems that can detect spam mm-hmm. and remove it mm-hmm. same way there are very smart people creating viruses very smart people trying to fight viruses mm-hmm. deep fakes will be in a similar place people are already building software that can detect whether a photo um, not just is, is it photoshopped yeah, but okay. is it also created through this deep fakes same mm-hmm. way uh, you know this battle will always be there of somebody trying to uh, get some uh, you know nefarious uh, purpose uh, mm-hmm. with this kind of technology and another set of people that are policing it but i wouldn't uh, uh, you know look at it as something completely new and unprecedented mm-hmm. something like this has always existed right even with phones you have people spamming you over phone fraud happening over phone identity mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. stolen everywhere there is going to be uh, good and bad uh, that fight goes on so i mean it, it's not so much about the medium it's just about the intent behind it and and this is there's enough stuff happening over there So I mean you as an entrepreneur you know you've uh, rocketed as over the last couple of years and then you had a uh, another startup journey with uh, taxi for sure uh, what's it like being an entrepreneur you know for for people who are listening to you and and maybe I'm sure your passion sort of shines through to them uh, as they're listening to you also what is that experience uh, like would is it something that you would recommend uh, and what do what are some of the things that people should keep in mind while jumping into 
say an entrepreneurial journey yeah so um starting a company and creating jobs and having an impact is something that i've always wanted to do okay. and so even uh, this goes back even into my uh, you know formative years that this is something i wanted to do mm-hmm. of course back then uh, you know startups or venture capital or any of those words were not really spoken so i didn't know the ultimate form that this would take i didn't mm-hmm. know what a startup was but mm-hmm. someday i knew i wanted to do something like this right and so okay. somewhere a lot of things that i have been doing have been adding up towards this but um i wouldn't necessarily call uh doing a startup or being an entrepreneur as uh you know inherently better than anything else that we are doing right because okay. um again very selfishly as rocketium grows we'll have a lot of smart people working in the company mm-hmm. right we'll want all of them to see the opportunity that they can be entrepreneurs within the company and create a massive impact and the only way they create the impact is not to leave and start another company right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. starting a company is like moving a huge and that's an example a lot of people use it's like hu- moving a huge rock mm-hmm. which is stationary mm-hmm. and it takes you a lot of effort just to get it to move a just centimeter a bit, yeah, yeah. right and then you have to do it again and again mm-hmm. right but mm-hmm. after it picks up pace it it sort of uh, keeps uh, going until you find another hill that you are coming onto right mm-hmm. and so um you know it's not uh, like a lot of people say at least for me it has not been a stressful or uh, you know something that uh, has taken me to dark places right mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. some people do go through that but um you know at least to people who are considering entrepreneurship i would also consider them to think about where they are and what they're doing mm-hmm. and why where they are they cannot be entrepreneurs because okay. wherever you are you could take more responsibility you could uh, take on more challenges you could think like the people who are in charge mm-hmm. and do more things because mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. that's what the world needs right you don't need uh, a million or a billion ceos in this uh, world right no offense mm-hmm. to ceos mm-hmm. but that's not what the world needs right mm-hmm. we need a lot of people to think like entrepreneurs and to act like entrepreneurs and um, really that is what i would encourage everybody to do and inherently i mean if you want to create value you can do it inside the organization you don't necessarily have to you know create a separate organi- you know company organization to be able to do that absolutely and and it's great that you mentioned that particular analogy about moving the rock because after you've gone through that journey of pushing it one centimeter and a centimeter again it picks up uh, speed you also have the opportunity to enjoy the ride you know for till you hit the next sort of uh, hill that you that you come across um as we wind down over here uh, satej you know we you You talked about this a little bit earlier about uh, how Rocketium is um, not really uh, sort of creating any kind of competition for say either designers or for people in production etc but the world at large is uh, I mean there's a lot of questions around say AI and machine learning and a lot of new technology and automation of a lot of areas where there's sort of uh, lots of jobs and you know in some places it's happened and you know some places maybe take a, take a little bit longer but um, what would you advise to you know what advice would you give to people about just this idea of learning unlearning relearning you know reskilling or upskilling because that that's uh, obviously a key area of focus for a lot of people right now absolutely and i would say regardless of technology regardless of your station in life mm-hmm. this what is called the growth mindset or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the uh, ability to uh, keep finding opportunities to learn and grow mm-hmm. i think that's the single biggest uh, gift that you could give yourself once mm-hmm. you get into that mindset it doesn't matter what you do for a living or what the state of technology is mm-hmm. because those are the only people who are going to be able to keep on succeeding mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. 
disruption keeps happening right when mm-hmm. the world moved from stone age to the iron age a mm-hmm. lot of people who were doing stone work mm-hmm. they could have said i don't have a job or they could have said okay what is this iron thing let mm-hmm. me figure mm-hmm. out what to do with it right and so mm-hmm. technology is um you could argue that it's getting faster and faster you could argue that the technology that's happening today is not uh, really significant enough like let's say what happened during the information the the industrial age mm-hmm. regardless mm-hmm. of what your thoughts are it is changing mm-hmm. and so if you have a mindset that is open to change it's open to seeing new opportunities and mm-hmm. redefining who you are and what work you can do mm-hmm. i think that's really important and okay. so specifically when it comes to artificial intelligence machine learning mm-hmm. i don't think that's a uh, uh that's a thing that's coming um it's a train that is going to come back to that station right okay. it has gone it has right gone, and yeah. so there is no stopping it it will only keep getting better because the merits of that are very clear mm-hmm. there is no reason mm-hmm. for people to keep doing mundane repetitive activity mm-hmm. the way um atms it's always been done yeah correct so there is no reason to remove all the atms in the world and have people go back to giving cash at a bank right mm-hmm. so atms have inherent value mm-hmm. that enable people to do more right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just the same way artificial intelligence machine learning is taking away mundane activities from people there will be some disruption obviously but mm-hmm. it's for us to see how we can make the most of that and uh, and just uh, going back to that uh, atm and bank teller uh, example today the world has many more bank tellers than there used to be before atms mm-hmm. right exactly, and so that's yeah. a well known uh, example, example right and so that's right, uh, yeah. that's a really interesting uh, way to think about it right yeah. so whether self driving trucks or you know autonomous uh, delivery any of those we really have to think what value we are adding as humans uh, if we consider ourselves superior to humans uh, mm-hmm. superior to mm-hmm. ai mm-hmm. we really have to to think what value we are adding and to keep evolving and keep adding more value because ai machine learning the arrow has been uh, released right mm-hmm. it's not coming back to the quiver mm-hmm. so we really have to understand that uh, that we are always going to live in a world of always improving machine learning and ai mm-hmm. and how we adapt in this world is something we really have to think about it uh, together that's fantastic and it's great to know that you have such a sort of positive outlook on that and you see more of the opportunities and similar opportunities for our listeners as well so on that specifically you know if if people wanted to know a little bit more about how do you you know sort of create an automation i mean you can say an automation mindset or learn a little bit bo- little bit more about ai and machine learning or just this idea of how i can break down a set of repetitive tasks or, or this creative domain that i function in how can i break it down you know are, are there any sort of courses or books or podcasts or or video series you know because you're in the video medium uh, any specific areas that you can point our listeners to um so uh right now i i can't uh, specifically talk about uh, some books to read because sure. um all of those books are slowly uh, but rapidly becoming uh, redundant but mm-hmm. what uh, i'll recommend is uh, what i do mm-hmm. which is uh, i use youtube like my wikipedia okay. so i i follow a lot of uh, channels where um at least the latest papers are being discussed right so okay. somebody's taking the effort to distill a very complex paper into the essentials and uh, you know talk about it in 2 minutes so okay. there is one uh, youtube channel called 2 minute papers okay. where wow. the latest in ai they are crystallizing that uh, down to in a way that we can understand right so okay. like this there are a lot of uh, channels on youtube which make it very simple for us to understand obviously a lot of uh, e learning uh, courses are uh, out there a lot of material is there but um one thing i would recommend is try to be a practitioner of this mm-hmm. because like a language if it is learned only in the context of 
trying to speak it someday in the future hmm. uh, versus learning it because you want to go to the market so learning through doing or yeah, in some ways yeah. yeah so that is what uh, i would recommend pick a small project a lot of these e learning courses do a good job of that pick mm-hmm. a small project try to apply it uh, think about how it could uh, add value to your work and uh, that's how you'll learn the best way fantastic thank you so much for this satesh i think uh, it's it's we've had this wide ranging sort of conversation and uh, you know it it's fair to say that the the common thread is an inherent sense of positivity that uh, you sort of have uh, in this approach to automation the opportunities that you sort of see um if someone has to get in touch with you or follow some of the work that you're doing personally as also with rocketium how can they do that so i'm pretty active on uh, social media specifically on uh, linkedin as well as twitter okay. so my name is pretty unique so if you look for satej sirur you'll find me okay uh check out uh, satej's twitter handle and uh, check him out on on linkedin you'll find a whole bunch of other he he, he does this really interesting uh, more recently he started posting top 3 um interesting products uh, that he's he's found on product hunt and a bunch of interesting he does this on a weekly basis uh very active um So thank you again Satej appreciate you being part of the show. Appreciate the opportunity can't really excited about the future. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed the conversation and found value that you can take into your work or something you're exploring. Please share this episode on social media with the hashtag the creative ai podcast. If you're posting on Instagram tag me my handle is at @krnmelhotra. If you have feedback about this episode or about this first season as a whole I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a line on karn that's k a r n at o u t l i n e d dot c o or find me on LinkedIn. My full name is Karn Malhotra, k a r n m a l h o t r a. Do mention the podcast episode in the subject or the body of the message, and check out the other episodes. We've got some great conversations to tune into. Till the next time, with gratitude.